0: The pandemic has enabled a one-week-at-a-time logic in the AFL with rapid changes coming today with the AFL moving pretty much every team to Queensland and WA. That is just one of the biggest issues to ever change the game. Inconceivable last year that you could think there could be no games in Victoria. Now it's just a sad reality of where we are. Hi, Jake. I'd love to say it's been a great week in sport, but... In sport, it actually probably has, but in life, it's been pretty pretty gut-wrenching being a Victorian going back into Stage 3 lockdown with the threat of Stage 4 ever closer day by day.
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Matt. Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, it is one of those things. The, sport, the sport's been great. We didn't have that in the first, the first lockdown, so it's been good to have the actual sport going on. And... But you're completely right, going back into this lockdown is not not easy for anyone, but it's good good to have some some sport to watch, albeit
0: I I think yeah, and I think the one good thing that I'm sort of looking at it is the prospect of we we know we've got Monday uh, night footy this week and Thursday night is staying on the fixture for the foreseeable future but the prospect of Tuesday and Wednesday night footy has never thought of Ever been more entertaining? The fact that we could be next Wednesday watching a game instead of recording this podcast is something that, well, not next Wednesday, but a future Wednesday, is a prospect that's going to be really good for um, the footy-loving public to get through this second lockdown.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's going to be it's going to be a bit different, but it kind of has a bit of a NBA feel to it because they usually play every day of the week, so it's kind of got that that month. They're, where they're going to play a game every single day. There's going to be something on on a day, every day of the week. And, yeah, I think it's going to be good for the AFL. It'll give them good pu- publicity and things like that.
0: And the other good thing with sport at the moment is, we've, we've, we've spoken about it earlier, but it, with all the sports coming back, we've almost got a festival of sport going every day. We've got the A-League coming. We've got Super Netball coming. Formula One's done a couple of races. We've got V8s, oh, the, sorry, the supercars. We've got NRL. We've got almost a sport for everyone at the moment. And it's, it's just a brilliant opportunity to have sport as that distraction from, I'm going to say real life. It's, you can just take your head and for a minute, you're watching your team play. You're, you're caught up in the moment of that where you're not remembering the, the harsh reality of you're not allowed to leave your home unless for those four reasons – We hear Daniel Andrews say regularly. But as I sort of said at the top of the program, the AFL last week moved to New South Wales, Queensland with teams then moving to WA this week. It's now vastly changed with the competition now completely moving to Queensland with some rotation in WA hubs as well. It's unthinkable to think that Queensland is now the home of the AFL.
1: Yeah, it's a bit strange, but it, it's good that, that we've got, got Queensland to do this. If if they could have easily just said, no, nah, we're not doing this, but they've taken, it, they've taken it upon themselves. And yeah, as you said, all the Victorian clubs, or most of the Victorian clubs, will be going over there. And I think I think it'll be good. I don't know how the situation with grounds and whatnot, that might be a bit, little bit difficult, keeping those up. That'll be the only problem there. But also having the two teams rotating through Perth will be, Will be good as well so it's not it's not everyone but it's still it's still the majority
0: and the wa clubs deserve that opportunity to play at home
1: oh for sure definitely couldn't agree more with that one they, they've done so much for these first six seven weeks it's yeah they, they've definitely earned their their time over at home playing games there for sure
0: so yeah the wa clubs have really done well and a few weeks ago, we were saying if the West Coast Eagles could win one of their remaining games in Queensland, it puts them in a remarkably good position. And they've won two on the trot. And now they've got the prospect of playing in front of, not the 60,000 we were hoping for a couple of weeks ago, but 30,000. And I can't think of a more motivational side than seeing 30,000 people at a ground. And I believe the Collingwood Geelong game's got 20-odd thousand tickets sold so far. which yeah. Which yeah, should... might be the lowest ever attended Collingwood Geelong game, but I can't think of a crowd that, from a public side of view, has been more symbolic and important to see, and I for one can't wait to see it.
1: It's just going to be just going to be good to have a a bulk a, bu- a bulk load of fans there to actually witness the games. There'll be a bit of volume to the noise rather than just a few thousand fans and then feeding in some some audio from. Whatever coverage is taking that game. And to be so.
0: honest, and to be honest, just to actually see fans is more the th- image that I can't wait to see. And I think the Channel Seven and Fox have done a superb job covering the games. I thought the I, I noticed it a bit more in the Melbourne Gold Coast game with, with the camera cutting the the crowd section off. But it, it it was the first game that I was irritated by it. Because the ball was sort of going over, and you weren't seeing the ball in flight. But um, to see crowds and just to go back to a traditional camera setup is something that I can't wait to see. And to be honest, footy tomorrow night—I—I I, I think it's this. This might be a big call, but I, I would say it's the most important game of football to watch in maybe five years. Just to see the the crowds there. That is a huge call, don't get me wrong, but it's the morale boost. And I think Victorians, particularly Victorians at the moment, need that morale boost. And tomorrow night's going to be more than a game. It's, it's going to be a bit of a, hey, COVID, we beat you. Let's, let's play sport. And a good morale boost for the Victorians to say, if we beat it, we might be able to go to the Boxing Day test in six months. That's still a bit, probably a bit of a long shot, but that's something positive to look forward to. And I think the Queensland model, and I've been hearing people on uh, Talkback Radio today to say, this gives Brisbane the biggest leg up in the history of the AFL potentially playing all their games out of Queensland. And I might be reading this wrong, Jake, but to be honest, I couldn't give a stuff. Like... Yes, it gives them an advantage. I don't care. Home ground advantage. Who cares? By the end of the year, people will have played probably eight years' worth of games that they would normally play at the Gabba or Metricon in a season. So, yes, they will have the crowd advantage, but every team will be able to play those grounds just as well as each other.
1: Yeah, it's only gonna. I think it's only gonna help help the game in a way. It's gonna make. Away games not as not as one sided. I know they're probably not, but like if 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 you sort of understand that the home team, if you if you go to a Perth or you go to a go to a Gabba when the Brisbane Lions are right, right, amazing and they're playing really well, they're hard to beat. But if if you've got teams that this year were playing both at both those grounds, it's not going to be as strange because they've played there, as you said, three or four times in a season. It's going to be, it's going to be more even. The competition will be only more even as well. So I think it's a really good thing that it's almost good that we're doing this type of season. So then it gives the interstate teams a bit of a bit of a leg up sort of thing this year, or, or the majority of the interstate teams, I should say. And then usually it would be those Victorian teams having all the games at the G, and all the interstate teams having coming having to come down every second week. So. I think it's a good thing for the, the AFL and it'll end up working really well, I think.
0: And I know there's the opportunity of playing games in Darwin, Alice Springs, Cairns, Port Douglas, Hobart, Launceston, um, and still flying in and out of Queensland. Maybe Brisbane and Gold Coast can play a couple of games there. But to be honest, even then, I, 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 I just don't care. I just want to see football and, And yes, Queensland did get an advantage, but they have to take that opportunity. They have to cease the moment. And that's a lot harder to do than actually say. So that is definitely one element we can look forward to in the coming weeks. What do you think about the hubs? Do you think this is going to benefit any of the Victorian sides more so than the other?
1: I don't think it's going to benefit any Victorian side more than another this, this year at all. I mean, it'll, it might help them in future years in playing on these grounds, as I said before. But in terms of advantaging, it's advantaging another team over another Victorian team, I wouldn't say there's, there's too much, I don't think, just because they're going to be playing each other in obscure locations and things like that. So I think all the Victorian teams really have a, have, have a, have a level playing field.
0: And I think the one thing that I really do want to say here is full credit to the AFL for getting, getting this on um, and being agile and pivot to the next solution and really get ahead of the curve. Cause yes, th- they had a significant problem with 10 Victorian teams. They really had to be on top of all of this and what they've done is brilliant. But the other thing that, that what they've done is well is this, the situation in Sydney is worsening day by day. And to have grounds booked, to have hotels booked, it does mean they've got a bit of an advantage over the NRL should Sydney turn into the next Victoria, where it means that the AFL had first opportunity at all these options where I I don't mean to say they've caused problems for the NRL, but at least that they've been able to find a solution quickly to benefit their sport longer term. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I couldn't. Yeah, as I said, couldn't agree with you more with, with all, all your sentiments there. It yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be good for the AFL, and, and I'm looking forward to the looking forward to the uh, fixture each and every week, really.
0: And the other thing that I thought of with the hubs is obviously the grand final discussion. The Queensland government has just done something huge for the AFL. Should the AFL reward Queensland? Should the MCG be unavailable to host the grand final?
1: Well, they have said that there'll be no more home and away games in Victoria for the rest of the season. So I don't know if that does include finals in what in what Gil has said. But if it did, I know where I want the grand final to be. I know where I want it to be, but I think it'll be somewhere else. I think they're gonna they're gonna go with what you've said just then, they're gonna reward Queensland, and I think they're gonna play it at the GABA. But I would love to see it at a Perth stadium. I believe it's like 60,000 people. If, if we can get that number there, that would be amazing. Like even half of that. I don't think any other crowd at any other ground in the AFL will be able to do that by the time the grand final comes around. And I think Perth would be a great stadium to do the grand final. It's new. It's huge. It looks big. And it's... The echo and the sound from that stadium would be amazing on grand final day, I think. What about yourself, Matt? Yeah, I, I agree. It's a brand new stadium. It'll
0: look brilliant. I know um, if you look at the NFL in America, they typically award the Super Bowl to some of the newer, bigger stadiums. And while Opta Stadium isn't bigger, it is new. But that being said, I'm actually for Queensland. I think the one thing that, Optus Stadium does have over the Gabba is the time difference. And everyone's saying the AFL, let's trial a Twilight Grand Final. Let's trial it. Doing it at the Optus um, Oval gives you that option because it could be a day game in WA and it's a Twilight primetime fixed up in the Eastern Markets. That is the biggest selling point that the Optus Stadium has. But Queensland have just given the AFL the biggest opportunity to play A to play football in the history of the game. I I, I want to see it in Queensland. It's if you look at it, all the Queensland NRL NRL teams are doing rubbish. You've got the Broncos who are the equivalent of the Adelaide Crows. You've got the Gold Coast Titans and um uh the Far North Queensland Cowboys both doing a pretty ordinary job at the moment. And you've got Gold Coast who are finally winning games, and got huge excitement with with some young guys like Matty Rao, Isaac Rankin, and co dominating. You've got Brisbane who, from everyone's, all the experts are saying are a definite top four team. Give it to them. This this could have a huge ramifications moving forward for the positive for the AFL by playing the game and. I'm guessing that they they'll have to pay a substantial bit of money, yeah. but I would prefer taking less from Queensland than get more from um, WA.
1: Yeah, I can certainly under- understand anyone's opinion for having it at, at the Gabba as well. But with what they're doing for the AFL this year, they they would deserve it. I just I, I think I would just prefer it at a different ground, but I could definitely see it being played at the Gabba for sure. And, and as you said, it would be fantastic for football in brisbane to move forward and and all those things so i think yeah i think you're right i think it might be at the gabba but yeah
0: if the capacity of the optus stadium was at in queensland and you had that stadium there it would be a no-brainer oh for sure yeah no no doubt about that um but i do just want to do a quick side tangent to all the state governments in new south wales Not so much Queensland. They've done it a bit differently, but particularly New South Wales, WA, saying, oh, this is a great opportunity to steal all these events from Victoria, the Grand Prix, um, both F1 and MotoGP, the Melbourne Cup, um, the Melbourne Comedy Festival, um, and all these big events. Don't whack whack a state when they're down. I think some of the ways that other states are talking absolutely deplorable it's unacceptable and in some ways it's un-Australian by um, whacking someone when they're down help Victoria yes I know states want these events but this is not the time to take them this is the time to give a hug to Victoria and or
1: a socially distant hug and help them through it said it perfectly there Matt couldn't couldn't agree with your sentiment there even more it's 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 what they are doing at the moment they really they are kicking kicking us when it, when we're down and yeah they should be supporting and, us where they can
0: and obviously what like once we know hey this event can't happen here absolutely let's have the discussion then about moving the event no problems with that but don't just say oh victoria's having a bad time let's take the event once we know it can't happen Let's have that discussion, and also, do not put the um, grand final at um, Stadium Australia at um, ANZ Stadium. That would it would get yes, it would be the best capacity option, but it would just be the wor- It's the worst ground to watch footy at in Australia. I'd rather no fans go and be at the MCG or Marvel Stadium than that.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I've heard a lot of people voice their opinions this week after after it was put forward that it might might end up being there, but I think the uh, the voice of everyone is I reckon, has has turned turned that idea into a bit of bit of waste. So I think uh, the AFL is not going to move it to ANZ anytime soon. I wouldn't have thought after the thoughts and thoughts and words people have said this week about it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I think we're both reading from the same same script here, which we're not, by the way, but it's an interesting time. And you had some points from the upcoming Round 8 fixture that you wanted to discuss.
1: Yeah, I thought there was some really... The fixture's fantastic for this upcoming Round 8, and obviously there's no more fixture after that, but it looks really good. And... And it's really great to see the first game of the round, Gold Coast Suns on a Thursday night against the Bulldogs. How fantastic is that? Could oh, I, I love it. What about you?
0: Yeah, and uh, to be honest, I love watching Gold Coast play. They're, the, they're the, one of the most exciting teams to watch. Yeah, I, I, I love watching the Gold Coast play. They are a tremendously exciting team to watch. And... It's their positivity. It's like, we want to win. We want to attack. And it's just a great brand of footy to watch. They played well last week against Melbourne. I think um, just a young side will drop a game, even though they play well, as they're lacking polish. And it just seemed a bit like that. And I'm not saying Melbourne are a hugely quality side. Their performances of late have not indicated that. But you will drop a game when you're young, developing. But the dogs need a win bit of a short turnaround for the dogs a very short turnaround for the dogs playing a lot having played the last game on sunday night against carl carlton yeah correct. which was very disappoint, very disappointing game for the uh the 2016 premiers um carlton carlton look good a bit like gold coast you want to watch them
1: yeah no they have they have turned it around uh but we, we will get to them, but on the Friday night we have the uh, grand final rematch, which will be at Giants Stadium. Uh, I should say there'll be a few more few more home actual home games this weekend as there were actually none last week. Yeah, the Suns will be playing at Metrocon, so home ground for them, and the Giants will be also playing at their home ground this week against the Tigers. So I think that's, that, that bodes well for a really good matchup. They're, the Tigers are sort of sort of on the incline at the moment and GWS you, you don't quite know where they are at the moment. They, had a, they strung a couple of good wins together and then, then lost to Port Adelaide, albeit against a good side. So you can sort of see where they're at at the moment. I think that'll be a good game come, come round eight for sure.
0: It's a real, As you said in the intro to this uh, section, there's a lot of really good games this round.
1: Yeah, for sure. And next, struggling North Melbourne against Carlton, who you're very excited about on the Saturday. So that should be a really good game to watch up there at the Gabba. Blue bangers. Yeah, he's loving the Blue Baggers at the moment, Matt. He will never say that again, but he'll, uh, he'll say it this season.
0: I was just going to say North Melbourne, this is a must-win game for North Melbourne. I think they started the year off with a bang. That win against St Kilda in uh, round one that feels like a lifetime ago feels ages ago. And I want to see that North Melbourne back.
1: Yeah, so do I. And they they've got a chance this week to play play the Tigers and get a win there, and then hopefully come into this game with a bit of bit of positivity. The, you got the Saturday twilight yeah. game against the old the old foes, the Sydney Swans and the Hawks. Obviously, the Sydney Swans are definitely out out of out of all contention of playing any sort of finals now with the loss of Dan. I'm sorry, not Dan Hanbury, Isaac Heaney, and Josh Kennedy now for eight weeks. I think they're they're all but gone. They've got one guy in the forward line, Tom Papley, and they're struggling for any sort of any sort of rhythm. You saw the game on Saturday Sunday afternoon, and it was deplorable against Richmond. Both teams. That game was horrendous to watch.
0: I, I actually want to take um, a bit of a defence to John Longmire. I actually thought he, yeah, it was shocking to watch. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Disgusting to watch. But I actually thought uh, John Longmire coached it superbly. From a coaching element of he's playing the reigning premiers, yes, Richmond aren't the same, and given the list that he's got at his disposal, to only lose by, what, two goals? That is a brilliant effort, and if, if I was in John Longmire's position, excuse me, I'd do exactly the same thing. Because I think when people criticise where the game looks, people forget that these coaches are not paid to have the most exciting game plan. They're they're, they're paid for, their, their job is determined on, t- determined on wins and losses. And that's what Longmire did. I, I actually think full credit, great job. You kept your team in it for until the last couple of minutes. Well done.
1: Yeah, no, definitely from a coaching standpoint, hundred percent did the right thing and what he needed to do for himself to, to get the game close to a point where they could win it for sure. hundred percent agree with that. But yeah, it obviously didn't look too amazing with, the scoreline at the end of the game, four goals to three. So yeah, moving on to the... I don't,
0: I don't, I don't like what um, Damien Hardwick said post-match. I thought, interesting comment, and I actually agree with Kane Cords. Would Damien Hardwick have said that in 2016 before he was a premiership coach? Would he have made that call? I don't think he is. And while, well, yes, he's considered the uh, best coach in the game right now, I'm not... Sh- I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm not happy with that. I just wasn't happy. I don't think it's good when a coach whacks another coach.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think too many people were happy with his his comments over the week, and certainly John Longmire wasn't either. So, hopefully, they'll have a bit of a maybe a whine over Zoom and, uh, and and sort that sort that one out. So on Saturday night, the the power back to back to Adelaide Oval. Uh, be playing the Saints on the Saturday night. So that should be a good clash. The Saints have been a bit iffy as of late. They lost a Fremantle on the weekend, just gone, and they will have played uh, Adelaide the week before at Adelaide Oval. So two weeks, two weeks in a row at Adelaide Oval might help help the Saints in that one. But the Power are pretty strong at the moment. Moving on to the Sunday games, we got Adelaide getting another game at home against against Essendon, which will be a, which would be a tough tough assignment. But they're at home. I will make a call that I reckon they in the next two games. They're going to get a win back at Adelaide Oval. They've got two games there. I reckon they're going to pull one out against Aethis and Kilda uh, this coming week, or they're going to pull one here, pull one out here against Essendon. That's that's my that's my big call for the uh, for the podcast this week. I think.
0: Oh, I, I'm I'm on the Essendon train at the moment. Something I never thought I would ever say, but. I also think St Kilda need to bounce back, so I don't think it's going to happen this week. And I think Essendon are sailing at the moment, so not sure it would be there either. But great call.
1: Yeah. So moving on to a fantastic Sunday game, a West Coast versus Collingwood on a on a Sunday afternoon. That'll be that'll be ripping. They're, they're both playing really really good footy at the moment. Collingwood will be coming off a game against uh, against Geelong. And obviously the Eagles will be coming off a Derby. So both teams will be ready and raring to go um, after some quality games the week before. So look out for that one. And then the last Sunday game we have, we had the D's up at Metricon against the Brisbane Lions. Kind of kind of a kind of a home game for Brisbane. It's but it says it's a home game for Melbourne here, so we'll roll with that one. But Melbourne looked good on the weekend, which I'm sure you'd be be happy about, hitting some more targets. Kicking a few more goals
0: um, Yeah I, I'd sort of Describe it as um, A step in the right direction But we're still Not there yet obviously I, I think Tom McDonald will be rested Or off injured with that Shocking eye injury that was Pretty horrible to watch And I think we should bring in Mitch Brown He's been really doing a good job In the uh, in the scratch matches Sam Wiedemann was a revelation up forward someone that actually went and made a target which was great to see but I've whacked Oscar McDonald a lot over the years um whenever I'm at the game or watching and I see Oscar with the ball I go here comes a turnover Oscar McDonald played the game of his life and it was a joy to watch and if you had to ask me to, we could only play one McDonald at the moment if they're both fit I'd pick Oscar every day of the week
1: yeah, so and then obviously you've got you've got the Brisbane Lions there as well, and they they will have come off a game against the Giants, so that'll be an interesting game to to come off and face the D. So it could be a very interesting game to close off the Sunday, and then finally another Monday game. We got the Dockers against Geelong in the Western Australian hub to finish off the round, which should be a fantastic game. I think the Dockers of the Dockers. If you watched that game last weekend. Their grit and determination to come back last week was was phenomenal, and Geelong had a very good win against the Brisbane Lions, and the weekend just gone, and then they'll play Collingwood the week before this. So it's going to be going to be some good games over the uh, over the coming weeks, I think, and some good quality teams playing against each other.
0: Yeah. Um... I think Fremantle are the best side that have only won two games in the entire competition. I think they are doing really well. They're just the young side that played good opposition early and they're now finally playing some weaker opposition and actually playing really good football. And um, they're doing a lot of things that I'd like to see Melbourne do and kick better. And if you look, they were one of the worst kicking sides last year and they're now one of the best over with a brand-new coach. So I, I think that's, it's good to see. Promising signs ahead.
1: Yeah, Justin, Justin Longmuir has done a fantastic job with them. They have been unlucky, I think, as you said. So, but I reckon they'll be right in the next couple of weeks, and I'll, they might string another win over the West Coast Eagles. You never know. And we'll see how they go against the Cats here. But that's, that's the end of the uh, bit of a, the Round 8 fixture. Obviously, the fixtures don't come out. All it's, the whole fiction doesn't come out all the time, so we, we can sort of only do it week by week. But it sort of gives us something to talk about and, and look forward to these upcoming games. But next on the podcast, we're going to introduce a new little segment we're going to try and do every week. And it's called the Under Pressure Teams of the Week, where Matt and I are going to pick two teams. Could be from any sport, NBL, NBA, AFL. Could be BBL, cricket. F1 anything at all and we'll pick a team that we think's been un- is is under pressure and going to be under pressure for the next however so long so Matt would you like to kick things off or would you would you like me to kick things off to start with um let's go with you all right no worries so so my first 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 one that I'm going to do is actually from the NBL you know take a look at the NBL and I'm going to my under pressure team of the week For this week is going to be the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Now, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix obviously had their first season last year. Started off fantastic. They were they beat beat Melbourne United in their first first game against them, and they was looking good. End of the season came, and they finished second last. So, bit of bit of a reality check, but all in all, not a bad first year. They had some really good players and this is this is where i think it turns to a bit of pressure for them now free agency has just started they've lost guys like dan trist who is a who is a bench bench guy power forward coming off the bench looked really good last year he's now gone to brisbane sorry he's gone now, he's now gone to new zealand playing for them next season John Roberson, arguably one of the best imports, a very underrated three-point shooter. He was he was dynamite from beyond the, beyond the three-point line. And he's now playing in Spain next year. Ben Madgen, a senior, a senior head for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix last year. He was really, really good. He started for them as well, as well as um, Roberson as well. So that's two starters. And um, NBL veteran actually, Ty Wesley has pulled the pin on his career. He played, he's played with a lot of teams. Last couple of teams he's played for the Breakers and, and United, where he won, won a championship there. So, in in that five, they've they've lost arguably four starters there, and that's that's definitely something that, that they're going to have have to look look out this year during free agency. They're going to have to look for some high end players. Otherwise, this team may 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 go into their second season finishing in those bottom two spots, and they they don't want to do that. Head coach, I know the head coach Simon Mitchell will be wanting to to rally his guys and and finish in that top four and play some finals in their second year. And I know with free agency starting today, there was a lot of moves, and there was only moves going out of the the Melbourne Phoenix today. There wasn't anyone coming in. I know it's only just started, but Tommy Greer, the general manager, has a lot of work to do to to gather some imports and gather some good Australian talent to bring into the into the team, and he'll have to sell the team really well to to get them to come down. So, I hope that for their sake, they're able to do that, and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix aren't under as much pressure going into the season that starts on December third. So, that's my that's my under pressure team for the week. I hope they're able to sign some people over the next week and. Um, not, not not be as under pressure as they are at this point in time and sign a few guys that, that will help them get through the finals.
0: But my team of, the, of my under pressure team of the week is Formula One based with Ferrari. And many people have said Formula One without Ferrari is not Formula One. And we, we had that race this weekend with the two Ferrari drivers breaking the first rule of motorsport, never hit your teammate. Where Charles Leclerc did actually hit the four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, at the Styrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring. And it was it was completely Charles Leclerc's fault. Um, there's no other way to put it. Um, and that's just the start of Ferrari's problems. They've come to the season with a car that is vastly worse than the Red Bull, the Mercedes, and even teams like McLaren, um, Racing Point, and even Renault have actually got a better developed car. And all of the Ferrari-powered teams, which include Alfa Romeo and Haas, have all fallen down the list compared to where they were this year. And it was shocking. Um, They brought a lot of updates this week. And they wanted to get the data, but when you crash on the first lap of the race and both your drivers are out, it doesn't give you an opportunity. And the voice of Formula One, um, the equivalent of Richie Beno, uh, for those wanting a cricket comparison, Martin Brundle said, This is truly a miserable time for the Prancing Horse team. They have clearly lost a significant, sig- significant amount of power since the FIA clamped down in a few areas and their chassis and aero are not fast enough fast enough either to compound that Leclerc and Vettel report uh, report the car to be reasonably well balanced and there's nothing worse than a racing car that feels okay but is slow you'd rather have handling issues to hang your hopes on let's just hope it was a track that didn't suit them so it was the same track for both um, the Austrian Grand Prix and the steering Grand Prix. So when we go to the Hungaro Ring in Hungary this weekend, hopefully we see a more competitive Ferrari. But they've got problems. The car doesn't. Their car doesn't look good. And you've got Sebastian Vettel who's leaving the team this at the end of the year as Ferrari didn't want to keep him. And he doesn't. It just doesn't look right. It, in my opinion, I love I, I love Sebastian Vettel. Watching him back in the Red Bull through 2010 to 13, he dominated. And there's hard. It's hard to think of someone that has dominated the sport like he did. Then he's up there with Tiger Woods in the early 2000s. But he's not their man. And he mate, I I think he's a driver that peaked a little bit earlier than other drivers wouldn't at the same point in their careers and his peak is shorter than others. If you look back, 2014, he had an off year. He was mentally drained after winning four Drivers' Championships in a row and got beaten by his teammate Daniel Ricciardo. 2015 and 2016, he went to Ferrari, in arguably a car that wasn't good enough, but he was competitive and he got the most out of that car. 2017 and 2018, he had a car that could have legitimately challenged both uh, Valtteri Bottas and particularly Lewis Hamilton to win the championship, but at key moments in the season, he buckled under the pressure. I think I've, I've said it all year. I think Vettel as a driver is unfortunately cooked. A sabbatical take a year off might actually be good for him, but I, if I was him, I'd leave Ferrari now, and then Ferrari could see if they could get Carlos signs from. McLaren a few races early and then McLaren could see if they could get Daniel Ricciardo early to McLaren and then Renault could get Fernando Alonso in a little bit earlier than planned. I don't know if that's possible but it's potential. But Vettel doesn't look happy and I don't think Formula 1 is a sport you compete in if you're not happy with what you're doing given the continuous danger that you puts yourself in. So that's my team under pressure, Ferrari. They've got an underperforming car, and they've got two drivers that are not enjoying their time with the car. So Jake, I think that just about does it for my uh, under pressure team in Ferrari for the week.
1: Very nice. Thank you for thank you for that. And hopefully we'll be we'll be doing that every week. And you guys can hopefully in the future send in some teams that you think might be under pressure, and we can we can report on those as well. But that is that is all the time we have on the Under Pressure podcast tonight. We do have some exciting news for the podcast this week. All podcasts from now on will be available on Spotify as well as uh, Apple Podcasts and the Podbean app as per usual. As always, please do like and share all our posts on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We'll be really helping us out a lot. So on behalf of Matt and myself, thanks for joining us on the Under Pressure podcast and we'll see you on the next